Hey there, and welcome to your weekly episode of I Didn't Sign Up For This with Allison Casanova and myself, Jade Shaw. We are both licensed marriage and family therapists here in the Bay Area of California. Whether you're a practitioner yourself or just interested in topics around mental health and therapy, join us here for some real and honest conversations. Please note that this podcast is not a replacement for therapy or medical advice. Any questions about your specific situation should be directed to your own therapist or primary care physician. Thank you for listening. So here we are in our first podcast episode. Um, Today, we're going to spend a few minutes introducing ourselves and the podcast And then we will jump into talking about what a first therapy session looks like and then what treatment looks like, what therapy is, and kind of a guideline of what you can expect. Um, Allison, do you want to introduce yourself first? My name is Allison Casanova. I work in Los Gatos, and I am right down the street from Los Gatos High School. Um, as far as my experience. So I went to Santa Clara University for my master's in counseling psychology. I've worked in elementary schools and in high schools. I've worked in private practice settings and group practice settings. When I first started, I used to work with um, children on the autism spectrum. I used to do uh, in-home early interventions. Um, And then I also volunteered before I was um, interning. I volunteered at a domestic violence um, shelter. I think that uh, just about covers my experience. What about you? Awesome. Yeah, that's good. I am Jade Shaw. My practice is mainly in San Jose right near Santa Clara University. And I also have an office that I work a little bit out of in Morgan Hill. I also graduated from Santa Clara University in counseling psychology. And let's see, my experience starts, um, I started working with the YWCA in the Rape Crisis Center. And then I moved on to work at a high school with the teens there. Um, And then I went to work with at-risk youth um, in the juvenile justice system. And I worked at James Boys Ranch. Um, And then I went to San Francisco and worked in a level 14 residential facility with foster youth there. so been kind of around the Bay Area and in a number of different uh, areas, but mostly with kids. In my private practice, I work with kids, teens, adults, couples, families, you name it. So that's my experience. I should probably mention the age groups that I work with. I guess I didn't, yeah. I didn't get to that part. Um, I, I work with little kids and with adolescents. I also work with young adults um, and adults, couples, families. I haven't had too many people come to me that are over the age of, uh, I would say, 70. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't. I just I haven't had anybody come to me um, that is over the age of 70. But I think that's primarily because I focus a lot on, um, my experience has been a lot with just trauma 
and substance abuse. I should probably also mention that I worked in a therapeutic special day classroom. And so with that, there are a lot of kids that were in group homes and in the foster system. So I do have experience with that too, maybe more indirectly than you. We should probably say that we're pretty good at not staying on the topic, so we're going to try to stay on the topic, but we might have little side conversations like that. Yeah. Uh, just just because that's, that's how we roll. <laughs> yes. Allison and I have known each other for a long time, so conversation comes pretty easily, and you'll find that we often get carried away, especially because... This is a topic we're both pretty passionate about, so. Can I do a fun fact about how we met? Oh, sure. Everybody (laughs) would want to know a little fun fact. (laughs) Uh, And then this also brings us into uh, disclosing. So that'll be another one that we'll talk about. But you would think that since we both went to Santa Clara University, that's how we met. But ironically... Jade and I never had a class together at Santa Clara University. (laughs) We actually met in a dance class. (laughs) It's true. That's a true story. (laughs) That's, um, yeah, we have an episode. Well, not really an episode, I guess. Um, The episode is on therapist self-disclosing. So again, stay tuned for that. Um, But this podcast really is trying to make therapy feel accessible to people and... So one message that we really want to get out there is that as therapists, we are also human beings. So there's that tidbit. Allison and I are human and we met in a dance class. (laughs) It's kind of like sometimes I talk to clients about how seeing me outside of therapy might feel like, you know, when you're in elementary school and you see your teacher at the grocery store or something and you're like, wait a minute, I thought they lived in the classroom. You have a life outside of that. It's fun to think about that. And I think, too, uh, something that we were talking about before that beautifully describes that is that um, video that, I forget her name, Kirsten, is her name? Oh, Kristen Kristen Bell. About her therapist. Kristen Bell, yes. Where she, and we'll do a link, we'll do a link that you can can get to it, about her, her therapist and her ideas about kind of how she is outside the room so I think that kind of we could even talk have like a full um a full series about that too or not series session about that too just because um I think this relationship is so different but even though than other the other ones that you've had but even though we're both um, humans, we're both going to have ideas about how the other one is outside because we only get to see how you are in the, in the when you're coming to talk to us and what you're telling us. And you don't really know much about us. I mean, you might hear little tidbits along the way, just, you know, if it's appropriate or just as it comes up. But um, we definitely know a little bit more about you. That's just kind of how it works Mm -hmm. because it is about you and we're trying to to focus and help you. Um, But we still, I mean, we'll still have thoughts about, you know, um, just like I'll be going and doing something and something I'll maybe see in the store and I'll think like, oh yeah, so-and-so would really like that. I have to make an effort to remember to tell them that I that I saw that and I was thinking about them because we do. We do think about you guys too and we care. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to bring us back to introducing what this podcast is all about because I think we could talk more about that therapeutic relationship at the end when we're talking about what Absolutely. therapy looks like. 
That was a good example of tangent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But a little bit of this was mentioned before. This podcast really is about mental health, topics around mental health, topics around therapy. We'll also be talking about um, treatments and our thoughts and opinions about certain treatments, uh, certain science coming out in the mental health field, and um, how to handle certain situations, things like that. So it's going to be a little bit about therapy and a little bit about um, current events and our thoughts about certain things in the mental health world. Um, we want it to be very casual and accessible, something that um, people interested in therapy or mental health and even providers can relate to. I think that over the years, you know, there's been a lot of stigma around mental health. And at least, Allison, I don't know exactly what your experience has been, but my experience has been that people come in for either an initial session or they call to inquire and there is some anxiety around therapy and not knowing what to expect or um, even, you know, how much they're supposed to disclose, how quickly, if their initial contact is just asking me questions. So even like that very first step of therapy is a vulnerable place to be. So the goal in this podcast is to casually provide some information and help people feel like therapy is maybe a little less scary than expected. Yeah, I think the point is to just give you as much information about it as you can so that you can kind of decide um, how you feel about it and what your views are mm-hmm. on it and to even just kind of touch on different topics that maybe do come up um, and give our opinions on it and give our thoughts and just kind of what our experience is to, to bring it to the table. Cause I think even though the stigma has gotten better over the years, it's still there. And I think a lot of people feel like, yeah, this is one that I get a lot. They, they feel like, okay, so I'm coming in to see you. So I must be messed up, but that's not really the case. Like there are so many people that come up. I think at the school, when I worked there, the number one reason why people came in was because they had communication problems with their parents. So they didn't, they didn't really know how to talk to them or tell them what they needed and get them, get them to, to hear them and actually hear what they're saying. Um, so I think sometimes we, I mean, people come in just because, you know, they're stressed about something that's happening in their life or, you know, they don't know how to talk to somebody. It's not always a really, really big stuff. I mean, yes, that does happen too. And that does come up, but mm-hmm. I think it is really accessible for everybody. And, and it's unfortunately, sometimes people look at it and they think that, you know, if you're going, that there is really something wrong. And so then it becomes really difficult to, to share with people that you are going. Yeah. And on that too, I think it is so valuable to even just have that hour every week that you know you get that space for what you need. You know that you know you're going to have somebody who is there and attentive and listening to you. And I will say I am a therapist and I have a therapist and I think it's so valuable to have that time that I know I'll get to process certain things or just take that time for myself. Um, So yeah, you're totally right on. It doesn't have to be some 
um, huge thing. You know, some people coming in for a, a on a spectrum of. And I think I mean you'll 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 have different stages of therapy too, right? So I think sometimes you're just coming in because you want to process something and you want to maintain like where you are. It doesn't have to be because there is an issue and you're working on it. Um, although that that can be the case too. It 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 is. It's a space for you to just kind of figure things out, get another perspective that's totally unbiased, get the validation that you need or find the motivation you need to do it, what it is that you're wanting to do. I think that talking to a friend or a partner or a parent about some things, you'll find you'll get a different perspective from all of them. And so when you're talking to a therapist, that is somebody completely removed from the situation. So I think you, you'll find that a lot of people find that they get more of an understanding of that they're that they're needing in order to figure it out just because it doesn't have a lens on it. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that is just a little blip of what this podcast is and sort of our goals around it. Um, and I think this sort of back and forth conversation that you're hearing now is pretty much how it's going to be. You know, we don't want it to be like you're sitting through a class and we're giving you information. This is really our upfront, transparent thoughts, opinions, experiences that we want to share with you. And if you have ideas on what you maybe would want us to talk about, then please let us know and we can bring it up. Um, Any kind of questions or um, concerns you have. Um, while I'm on that train of thought, I'm, I'm wondering if we should share where this title came from. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect sort of segue between what this podcast is and a little bit about what therapy looks like. Mm-hmm, you know, which is what we're talking about, about today. That. Yes. So admittedly, Allison and I spent a bit of time trying to think of what we wanted to call this podcast yeah and it was very entertaining (laughs) yes yes um and we decided on i didn't sign up for this because so many times in life people experience things and i don't want to speak for everybody but i think we've all been in a place where we felt like this is not what i signed up for like this is not what my expectation was Um, so that was a a little bit of it. And also I always tell my clients that oftentimes therapy gets harder before it gets easier. And that's because you're dealing with, um, situations and things that are uncomfortable. You know, perhaps it's something that you don't like things that you, um, are having a difficult time with. So again, that brings up the idea of like, I didn't sign up for this. This is Mm -hmm. more than I bargained for. Even when coming into therapy, right? Like you have a different expectation maybe, or you don't have any expectation. You have no idea what it is. And you come in and you start working on stuff and it's really hard. And I did not, this is not what I was signing up for. This is not what I was expecting. (laughs) Um, And actually funny too, because in this title, this isn't even one of the titles that we originally wrote down. It was something that I said because of how difficult it was to come up with a title. And then Jade Jade said, oh my gosh, that's, we should put that down. (laughs) So it's, it's perfect. It was perfect. 
we yeah. often have things that we maybe didn't really want to turn out a certain way. And I think that, I mean, that's what life is about, right? So it's not just about therapy. It's about life. We have things that come up that we don't like or don't want or didn't expect, don't, can't control. And we might not have the ability to, to decide if these things happen or not, but we do have the ability to decide how we're going to respond to them. Yes. Um, and I think too, I want to mention that the name of our podcast, we also use clearly with a bit of humor because that's just who Allison and I are. Um, and at least for me, when I said like, oh my gosh, I did not sign up for this. There's that sort of sarcastic, like, oh gosh, I, you know, what? Um, <laughs> so it is sort of a phrase that we use to look at a situation that is not necessarily ideal and take a minute to laugh about it to just find a little bit of humor in it because humor is important and I think that for anyone who has had experience talking to us in any capacity you will know that that is something that definitely comes up <laughs> for both of us yeah <laughs> just laugh at stuff so yes um I think it, it it's helpful to find that silver lining sometimes yeah Absolutely. So as I said, I, in every first session that I have with a potential client, I always tell them a lot of times the expectation is that you start therapy, you get off your chest what you need to get off your chest, um, what's been on your mind, and that, you know, Perhaps you'll feel better after that, or a therapist will have some magic words, and all will be well again. Um, and the reality is that therapy is a process, um, and it oftentimes does get more difficult before it gets easier. Um, so that is one thing that I always address in a first session with somebody that I'm meeting with. Um, I really want to be open and honest about things that might come up and that it's not always a joyful experience. Helpful, yes. Joyful, not always. So on that note of a first session, mine, um, I keep my first meetings with potential clients pretty short, typically between 20 and 30 minutes. And I do that because I want them to be able to come into my office see what it looks like, see what I am like in person, and just to get an idea if that atmosphere is comfortable for them. And I always tell them, you know, I will tell you about my experience, and we go over my policies, and then if you feel comfortable, you can spend a little bit of time sharing more about what it is that you're looking for. Um, typically, I've interacted with this person via email or phone prior to this consultation, though that isn't always the case. Um, but yeah, I, I keep mine 20 to 30 minutes because in my experience, I found that because people are a little more nervous coming in for that first session, I don't want them to feel like, oh my gosh, I have to go in for the full hour. I'm going to be stuck there. What if I'm uncomfortable? You know, I really want them to get a feel for the environment first and to see if it's a place that they feel comfortable coming back to. 
I don't have a formal intake that I do, um, which I know some therapists do and some therapists don't. Mine is pretty casual. We sit down kind of just have a conversation about, um, again, policies and what it is you're looking for. Um, but I, I try and keep the paperwork that you have to fill out as minimal as possible. Paperwork, I think, is the least favorite part of most therapists' job. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So very true. We're about the human interaction, not not the paperwork. Not the paperwork. If I could just never do paperwork, I probably would. Although, I do think that it is important to have some paperwork. Yeah, definitely. For me, I offer a free 15-minute phone consultation. If you're kind of wanting to talk with me on the phone, get an idea of how I work, ask me any questions that you might have, and then give me a little bit um, of an idea of what you're wanting to come in for. Um, so it's like that first, first interview. Most of the time that is how it works, but sometimes I'll have somebody email me questions um, and then they kind of decide from there how they want to move forward. I have had people decide that they want to skip talking on the phone and just come in. Um, And then I think for me, it depends on the age group too. So if I have somebody that is a child or a tween, I find that it's really helpful to meet with the parents first and then have the child come in at a separate time. Um, because then I can get an idea of what's going on from the parents and they can kind of get a feel for who I am and if they feel comfortable with me. Um, If I meet, some parents will want me to meet with their child first, but I find that it, it just works more smoothly that way because then they can see who I am and they're not leaving their child with a stranger. Uh-huh. Um, and then depending on the child, sometimes they want to bring their child, their parent in, but sometimes they're like, nope, I got this. I'm coming in on my own. Uh-huh. Um, for a teenager, I feel like that first session is with everybody, like your parents and you, and then I'll <laughs> have parents go out into the waiting room so I can meet with them, the teen separately for a little while. Um, just because if I meet with parents before, in my experience, I find that you are less likely to have the teen that's coming in feel comfortable because you just met with my parents and I don't know what you said. Yeah. Um, so uh-huh. it's it, it just works better that way. And then for adults, I mean, like, you just get your own session. Just come on in. <laughs> I don't know if you can put it with anybody. Um, unless you're a couple, sometimes, um, depending on the situation, I might ask one of you to go in the waiting room and kind of check in with you separately. Um uh-huh. I think it kind of just depends, but really I, I do have paperwork that I send before. Um, I let you know in the email that I send you with the paperwork, um, that you are welcome to just answer what you feel comfortable answering. I don't feel like you should have to answer anything if you're uncomfortable. I just know that the more information I know, the better I can help. But at the same time, it's not going to help you if you don't feel comfortable answering it. So, um, just whatever you feel comfortable with. And then when we meet, I normally go over briefly just the policies and the Uh consent form and any questions you might have about the paperwork. And then, um, I, I may ask you questions, um, some depending on who you are and what, um, you're coming in for. 
what age you are. Um, we kind of just have a dis discussion about maybe why you're here, why, why you decided to come in, what your experience with therapy was before, um, if you've had any experience. And um, I normally will meet, I think it depends if it's, I like to do the 45, 50 minutes because I feel like when you're going over policies and stuff like that, that eats like 15 minutes. And then I want to kind of just um, hear a little bit about um, and kind of have you get to know me and me get to know you. Um, but I think if it's a family, a lot of times you need a little bit more time just because there's so many people. Um, I find that... If I do anything shorter than that for me and just the kind of people that are calling me up, I don't necessarily feel like it's ever enough time. Um, mm -hmm. But with that being said, I think that that says a lot about how different therapists have different things that they find work for them. Yes. And they, that, that kind of shows you to what different populations go to each person and then how you have like a, a range. So if you're feeling like it's gonna be more comfortable um, to come in for 20 to 30 minutes, you know that coming to me probably won't be a very good idea because I'm not going to do that. If you ask me, I will. I'm totally uh -huh. open to it and flexible. It's just not something that I normally do. Um, and I think too, if you feel like you need more time, you'd probably ask Jade if she could do more and she probably would. It's just not what she, what she standardly does. Yeah. I have definitely had situations where somebody has wanted the full hour. And so we've taken that full hour. And then I've had people who are like, I'm done at 20 minutes. That's good for me. So again, like there's no one size fits all, right? So we're all we're all flexible. And I, yeah. I well, I can't speak to everybody. Me and Jade are flexible. I'm sure that most therapists are um, kind of flexible with what they feel is going to be the most beneficial for, for you and what you're telling them that you might need. Um, but with that being said, there are certain things that people, that therapists will absolutely do in the first session. And that's going over consent form and policies and having mm -hmm. you sign that. Um, and then asking you some basic standard questions about your situation and your safety. Um, I think that that's, that's pretty standard across the board. The other thing too, um, you, you had said hours. So I just want to make sure that everybody is aware of what a therapy hour is versus an right. actual hour. Cause I think that that's <laughs> confusing sometimes. So a therapy hour is 45 to 50 minutes. Whereas like a regular human hour, I think when we think about hours, it's 60, 60 minutes. Um, so we're normally referring to that. That's kind of just like the general, I think, term that we use when we're saying that. But um, it doesn't have to be an hour. I think it kind of just depends. Sometimes people want less time. Sometimes people want more time. And if it, if the therapist schedule and your schedule permits it, you can kind of work around that accordingly. And then frequency too. I think sometimes standardly you want to come in once a week at least depending on your situation maybe a therapist will suggest twice depending on what's going on and then you kind of some people will want to do every other but that's not something I think I recommend in the very beginning but it I mean I can't say that I never have it really just depends on who you are and if you you've been to me before or not mm -hmm. yeah a couple of good points that I want to branch off of 
when you were talking. Um, yeah, a therapy hour for me is 50 minutes, but I have also heard of therapists who do a standard 75 or 90 minute session. Yep. So again, this is an example of therapists all being different. And I think that is so valuable because if one therapist doesn't work for you, don't give up hope. Like there, there is somebody else that will probably be a better fit for you. And I tell people that when they come to me, I understand that I'm not everybody's perfect therapist. And if you come in for that initial session and you leave thinking, I never want to see her again, that's totally fine. I understand. Um, and I'm happy to give you other referrals. And I think that most therapists are the same way. You know, we understand that we're not the best fit for everybody. And we're happy to um, give you the names and numbers of somebody who may be a better fit. And that's a really good point. I think something that I normally do, and this isn't this isn't standard. I don't, I don't think that everybody does this. Um, but I won't have you at the end of the session with me set up another session right away unless you're telling me you absolutely want me to. I like to, especially if you're a child or a teen, um, go talk to your parents, see how you're feeling about it. If you're feeling like it's a really good fit, let me know. We'll put you on my schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I normally like to know within a week just so I'm not, cause I can't save the spot if you're not wanting it. So if I don't hear back from you, I normally will just assume that you found another fit. But, um, if you're, um, not feeling like it's a good fit, um, sometimes it's really hard to say. So then, if I don't hear back from you, I, I already know. But sometimes if you don't feel like it's a good fit, but you feel comfortable enough to tell me, I'm totally all about giving you referrals and something that might maybe work better for you. Um, I know that's hard to do sometimes, telling somebody, yeah, it didn't really work out. And I think generally speaking, I can't speak for most for every therapist, but I think across the board, for the most part, we understand that everybody works different and we understand that everybody has different needs. And so we just want you to get the help that you need. And if it's not with us, we want to make sure that you're getting it with the right person. So we aren't going to take offense if you say that it didn't work. We, we just really want to know so that we can give you to the right person. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people too, you are sort of interviewing me as much as I'm getting to know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really the relationship and the trust that you're able to build with your therapist, that is going to be one of the most helpful factors of how effective therapy can be for you. So don't be afraid to be picky about who you decide to work with. You know, it can be a vulnerable time that you spend with that person. So you know, don't be afraid to say, yes, you're a great therapist. I want to work with you. Or, you know, I think I'm going to go explore some other options. Maybe I'll schedule with you and then get back to them. Um, or, you know, I don't think that this is going to work out. Can you provide me with some other referrals? And with that being said, too, I will say that there are some people out there that I know have had really bad experiences with therapists. So Mm -hmm. I think it might be helpful to kind of go over a couple things that therapists should absolutely not do just so you have that information and you're aware of it. Um, Yes. 
I think go ahead I'm sorry I'm gonna interrupt you really quick I um want to mention that that first session or few sessions can be uncomfortable and to really pay attention to whether this is an uncomfortable like red flags this isn't right versus uncomfortable because this is um, a new person that I'm talking to and I'm not really sure how this is supposed to go Um, so pay attention to that feeling and these other things that I think Allison is gonna jump into thank you for saying that because I think that um, uncomfortable is that word I think encompasses so many different things and it's not always easy to differentiate between them. So Uh there's that nervous uncomfortable, right? Like I'm getting up and I'm doing a speech and this is really scary and I don't like this because it's not something that feels like my typical thing. And so that uncomfortable I think is okay. It's Mm -hmm. the, wow, I feel really icky right now because you're asking me all these questions and I'm telling you no and you're not listening. That Mm -hmm. kind of uncomfortable I think is not okay. and so, um, so, and sometimes I think we have a hard time saying no, but absolutely if you're telling somebody that you don't want to talk about something or do something and they're telling, they like keep pushing you, um, then that's a good sign that that's maybe not um, a good person to be working with. Um, the other thing too is we, and we actually have a pamphlet that we have to give out if we hear this, or you can go online, I think it's, um, it's actually online now at the Board of Behavioral Sciences. I think it's bbs.ca.gov, um, and there should be like a link there um, on one of those pages for consumers. It's called Professional Therapy Never Includes Sex. So I know that there are lots of different movies out there that might depict that that happens, but it absolutely should not. The relationship that we have is for us to help you, and if we have that kind of relationship where we are having sex, it's not a therapeutic relationship anymore. And so it's actually, we have a board that govern, governs us that tells us that that's not okay. So if you yeah. feel like something like that is happening, then please, please let somebody know. You can actually make a report. You can, uh, I think that there is a sign, uh, um, a sheet on the BBS where you can actually fill that out. Mm-hmm. Um, and make a report because that isn't okay. And actually, you can verify somebody's license on there too to make sure that they don't have any kind of legal action and that they're all um, current and up to date. So I think that that's, that's important to make sure you're looking at too. Yeah, that's a just as a quick note. I think that is an important thing to distinguish that how therapy looks in the movies and the media is not always... Accurate. I think that's why Allison and I laugh because, you know, I think that people generally know that things in movies aren't always accurate. With confidentiality too, right? I think that sometimes they make it seem like, you know, we're we're disclosing to certain people and that's that's not the case. I think we yes, we consult with each other and I normally tell you that in the first session because I think that we're humans and we need to process stuff out loud and figure out the best course of treatment. So sometimes, you know, you'll call another professional and you won't use any identifying information. You'll just talk about like what that particular incidence is and kind of figure it out. But we're not, you know, 
calling up our family and talking about like, okay, so I had this client and they did blah, 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 (laughs) blah, blah. Sometimes I think, you know, we're humans. If we come home and we're, we're married or, you know, we have a roommate or we have a friend and they're like noticing that we're having a hard time, we'll be like, yeah, I had a hard day. We're not going to go into the details. Yeah. So I I wanted to share that because I know a lot of times in movies, it like depicts that we're like telling everybody everything and that's actually really not okay to do. Um, Yeah. We're governed by that board, right? And depending on what therapist you are, you're going to have a different board. So if you have a different license, you'll have a different board. So now did you want to, to talk a little bit about what, what maybe it looks like more with you when you're in session? Yeah. So after that first session, I, I'm i on the same page with Allison in terms of how I handle um, the scheduling after the first session. If you decide that you know you want to come back and see me, then great. Let's put something on the schedule. But I'm totally okay with people taking some time to think about it and let some of the information that I gave you sink in and then make a decision about whether or not you want to schedule with me or if you'd like some other referrals. Um, But if you do decide that you want to come see me, therapy with me is, you know, I I try and keep it comfortable and, and casual pretty much. I really try to just engage people in conversation to explore what it is that is happening and what your goals are. And I always tell people that something that works for you could be different than something that works for somebody else. Some people love just having a space that they are heard and listened to and they feel understood and that is helpful for them. Some people need something that is more concrete and so it's more helpful for them if I say, okay, you know, go home, try this for a week come back and let's talk about how that worked for you. And I always kind of joke that sometimes I will give a suggestion like that and as soon as they walk out the door, it's like in one ear and out the other. And that is totally fine. That just says maybe that's not the right approach for you. So I really try and sort of tailor treatment to what will work best for you. With that being said, other therapists will be much more structured and have things that they suggest week after week. Some therapists are much more sort of active in that conversation with you. I kind of try and sit back and follow your lead. You know, some people do most of the talking in therapy and uh, some people do better if I'm using a lot of the time and giving them some education and information. So that's, that's a little bit about what it looks like for me, just kind of a a comfortable space where I can get to know you and what you're looking for and what will work best for you. And then we kind of go from there. So I think you're kind of touching on different um, styles and um, mm-hmm. I'm going to use a big wor- phrase, the theoretical orientation. And I know <laughs> that a lot of times people hear that and um, they think, you know, that every therapist has one specific one that they work from and, you know, what is it and, you know, which one's going to work best for me. And really, you, it's, it's our goal to see or responsibility to see what's going to work best 
for you when you're in there, but you do get to kind of like look and like explore and see if maybe you're feeling like a different style might work better for you. So when I what I mean when I say that is there are certain therapists who will work from just one orientation, right? So, and I think we could probably do a whole podcast about this. So there's so many different ones and there are some people, I think like the, maybe the, one of the really, um, more commonly known is cognitive behavioral therapy. So if you are working strictly from that, you are actually going to, when you walk in, there's going to be an agenda, right? So they're going to have like what, what you guys are talking about and you're going to follow that agenda. And so if you are somebody who you feel like, okay, so I, I work better with that and I don't, you know, want to go in and just kind of talk about whatever and kind of you have me ha ha take my lead. I'm, I want someone who does that. You can do that. You can kind of do the research, but a lot of therapists, I think now, even though they might have a framework that they work from, they are maybe more flexible to kind of adapt it to what you're needing in that moment. So I know that for me, I do use a lot of CBT in my work with people if they're in a space to use it. Um, and I think that that maybe can be talked about when we, when we talk about the trauma episode. <laughs> um, so you have to be in a, you have to be using that part of your brain and able to be able to, to actually get the benefit from that approach. But at the same time, I don't always think that on a day-to-day -day basis, when you come in, you're maybe you're not in a space that day, but you're in a space another day. So I won't maybe use it full to the T, but I do implement a lot of those techniques in my work. So you kind of have to decide, like, do you want somebody who is just going to follow that strict approach and then see if it works? Or are you wanting somebody who maybe is going to be a little bit more adaptable and, or does it matter to you what they're using? Because I know, I know at, at least at Santa Clara, and maybe you can speak to this too, Jade, I remember having the teachers tell me, you know, it's not really what you're using and what orientation you're working from. It are you able to relate to this person and give them the support they need and help them build the skills they need? After that, like sometimes it doesn't really matter what approach you're using. You just need to be able to, to give that space to somebody. But everybody, everybody's different. Everybody needs different things. So I think that's why we have so many different theories and so many different backgrounds. And so many different therapists will probably have a different outlook on this as well and say like, you know, no, I know that sticking to CBT has the best outcomes for my clients. Absolutely. I just find in my work with people who have experienced trauma, it doesn't always work unless they're at the space where it will. And I know that that doesn't make sense right now, but we'll have a podcast where we talk about it. <laughs> Another future episode. <laughs> this is not the podcast for that. Yeah. Um, so I think I maybe went a little bit off on a tangent. So I won't go into maybe my background, but I will say that um, I'm going to use what I think is best. And that's part of like those first few sessions when you're coming in. If you're a little kid, I'm probably going to do play because I think play therapy with little kids is the most useful. And that's just me. And with that being said, there are so many different play therapy approaches too. <laughs> um, so it kind of, it, it just depends. Sometimes, you know, talk therapy where you sit and you talk to somebody is going to be 
more beneficial for a kid, but it, it depends on who they are. Um, and I can guarantee you that there is no eight year old that is going to sit there and talk to you the whole time. So maybe you'll talk a little bit, maybe you'll do a little play, but it's, it's about getting to know, you know, the first few, like what is going to work for you. And I like to collaborate and kind of discuss goals together. So I might, you know, in kid terms, talk to them about that, but I'm really going to focus on that with the parents. Right. And then if you're uh, an adult, I'm definitely going to talk to you about that. So what is it that you're wanting to work toward? And I will frequently, um, kind of check in with you to see where you are and how you're feeling about your progress. And if something's working, if it's not working, um, something that I actually do about every six months or so, is I will send out an anonymous survey. And I do that because I think sometimes it's really hard to tell me in person. And I want the honest feedback because there are things that I do need to work on, right? I'm human, everybody needs to work on stuff, but I wanna know what's working and so I can mm -hmm. keep doing it. And maybe if there's something I need to change, I wanna know that too. So um, I like sending those out. And it really, I just, I, I ask five, I think it's five or 10, I think it's 10 questions just about like your experience and about your experience with me and your goals and what you're getting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that you mentioned that it's going to look different if you're working with a child versus an adult or a teenager. Oftentimes I will talk to an adult and have a pretty good back and forth conversation and with kids, it's typically like, hey, let's do a drawing or, you know, let's play a game for a little while. Um, the whole process really from start to end looks different when you're working with kids versus adults. And if somebody is in a different developmental age versus biological age too. Yes, could not agree more. So all that being said, the process for what therapy looks like for me it's pretty casual, pretty tailored to you, your goals, how you respond best, um, and things that are most helpful for you. Um, I will periodically ask my clients, you know, how is this going for you? Um, is there anything that you found to be useful or not useful? Like, let's tailor this a little bit more to be even more helpful for you. And it's really a process that I want you to feel like you have a say in, you know, this is for you. Tell me if it's working or not working. <laughs> I've heard people say, you know, I've tried therapy and it was awful. And I just want to tell everybody like, please try again. Maybe that experience wasn't great, but there there is somebody who's going to be a better fit for you. So try again. So with that being said, um, we would like to end the episode with just a quick tip for how to add some improvement and positivity into your life. Allison, do you want to go first? Sure. One thing that I often suggest to people who are feeling stuck or feeling like things are just really overwhelming, really stressed out, really sad, is to think about at the end of the day, 
um, one thing that didn't go wrong that day. So, I, and I say that because that's a lot easier to do sometimes if you're in that space than to think one thing that, that was really awesome or one thing that, you know, um, that went really well or that made you happy. Um, sometimes it's just easier to think of one thing that didn't go wrong or one thing that made you smile for a second that, you know, that, um, that distracted you from whatever is going on. So I think that, um, doing that can kind of help you get into the habit of thinking in a different way and it can kind of get you on to the, the path that you're wanting to get to easier. Yes. I love that one. I love that it's doable. It's not like, Hey, what's the greatest thing that happened today? It's literally like, okay, you know, I had gas in my car when I got in it to go to work. Woohoo. I was running late and I found a parking spot, so I wasn't later. That's a good one too. Perfect. My little tip would be to, at the end of the day, take, you know, the time it takes you while you're washing your face or brushing your teeth to just focus on that moment as a bit of self-care and time for yourself. So often people spend all day at work and then they come home and it's like eat dinner get ready for bed go to sleep wake up and do it again so to really allow yourself those you know few seconds few minutes of the day to bring yourself back into the moment like feel that warm water on your face taste what the toothpaste tastes like just bring yourself back into that moment and take a few deep breaths you can even take allison's tip and do it at the same time as this take that time and two for one yeah (laughs) exactly take that time bring yourself to the moment and think about the one thing that did not go wrong that day I think essentially when you're taking that time that Jade suggested during the end of your day just don't if anything at the very least don't think about the next thing that you have to do because I think that's where we mess ourselves up right because we're instead of being there brushing your teeth and kind of just being in it, we'll, we're thinking about, okay, so tomorrow for breakfast, I need to make sure that the kids have all of this, and then we have to leave by this time and this time, because now you're already, like, stressing yourself out. Yeah, you're, you're hours ahead. So, yeah, just, just a few seconds. doesn't have to be an hour. You know, a few seconds, and take that time for yourself. You deserve it. And until next time, thank you for listening, and we look forward to joining with you next time. Bye. Bye.